there's a darkness around us. And we don't want to ignore it like it's not there. And some of our old explanations for shootings, like, well, it was an act of mental illness, so it is something that doesn't represent a larger problem, something Israel had to face when three religious Jews kidnapped and killed and burned a Palestinian Arab as a revenge attack against the evil things that Palestinians have done in their terrorist acts. And the Israeli Supreme Court and the Israeli judge had to deal with the fact that since the instigator had mental illness symptoms, is that an excuse? And they said, as has been covered extensively on the HBO Israeli series, Our Boys, you still have to take responsibility for the messages that you're soaking your youth in. So you don't get off by saying, isolated incident. Here's in 2015, the President of the United States said this. In recent years, we've seen a deeply disturbing rise in anti-Semitism in parts of the world where it would have seemed unthinkable just a few years or decades ago. This is not some passing fad. These aren't just isolated phenomena. And we know from our history that they cannot be ignored. Anti-Semitism is and always be will always be a threat to broader human values to which we must all aspire. And when we allow anti-Semitism to take root, then our souls are destroyed and it will spread. So said President Barack Obama. After Tree of Life happened, as we were all trying to find words to bring us together, my words were criticized for not being loving, but being hateful against anti-Semites or something like that. And without being defensive, I want to understand the platitudes. Baseless love will cure causeless hatred. And that words of love are the only cure and not words of societal critique of finger-pointing to the anti-Semitism around our world. And so I'm trying to understand, okay, I'm hearing you. How can we enact love in the names of those who died? I understand if you're saying, please don't enact further division. I, I hear you, and I want to hear that message. And I think of today's Torah portion. I mean, obviously, Cain has killed Abel. It has nothing to do with some secret evil of Cain or some secret nobility of Abel, but it's exactly what the words of the Torah say, which is when God turns to Cain and says, why is your face fallen? And Cain says, because you accepted Abel's sacrifice and not mine. And God says, your happiness should come from doing good in the world, not from how your day went. I add the not how your day went, the other parts in the Torah. If you are going to base your happiness on where, whether, whether your child got into the college of their choice, whether you lost your job to another candidate, whether the house you want was bought by another family, if that's going to be the determinant of your mood, then that will lead to hate. So in order to understand how to love, I think I have to understand a little bit of the roots of hate. And I think, I would, and okay, so I won't scapegoat or name point. I mean, but we have to understand that, you know, a recent poll of 16,000 Jews in Europe 
determined that one-third are considering leaving their country and emigrating. 85% say anti-Semitism has gotten, 90% uh, say anti-Semitism has gotten worse. 85% say they've experienced some form of anti-Semitism. Particularly bad in England, especially with the words of Jeremy Corbyn. Especially bad in Sweden. I have to tell you, when I looked at the job list even two years ago, Sweden was, uh, it was on the list, not above Ann Arbor, your synagogue, our synagogue. And I said, Sweden? So I read the job ad. Well, our rabbi and his young family are continually receiving death threats, and so they need to leave the country. Germany, of course, we all know. There's a darkness that's happening around us. So how is that darkness fed on some level? How did Cain come to believe that he needed to commit violence? What was the voice of the serpent in his ear? We are a society, of course, divided. And the way our division works is that people on both sides or on, of all kinds of issues, not just one, I'm not just talking Republican, Democrat, they say that something in your life is going poorly. And I can point to someone like Abel, who is the cause. And so I used to have open conversations, frustrations that my children didn't get into UCSD. But all the Asians, it seems, in their high school class got in. These are reasonable people, right? Well, how can my kid compete in his essay? He's not an illegal Mexican immigrant who has worked his way through the education system to become valedictorian. He just does soccer and he plays the flute. How can that compete? And I'm listening, are, are you really thinking, are you pointing a finger and saying that community? I think that's where hate is fed. I think that the internet is something that the victims in Pittsburgh would be saying, if you want to know how to love to cure the hate, where is the hate being fostered? I think it's a little bit absurd that Facebook, with a valuation of $536 billion, says that it's 35,000 employees. You know, it's about all it can handle. It really can't hire more employees to actually monitor what goes on on Facebook to take down hate group material. Over half a trillion dollar valuation, 35,000 35, employees. Let me just contrast that with something local. GM has one-tenth the valuation, but it has 173,000 employees. But Facebook is maxed out at 35. We know, as I've said before, that the internet is a place where particularly young white men get weird messages popping up in their YouTube streams and their Instagrams that start as jokes. So I don't know if you know what a meme is. A meme is the modern form of a comic. I mean, I used to read Ziggy in the paper. Today, you get a little cube that has like a five-second video and a joke line, a caption. And many of the jokes that find their way because of the algorithms to young white men, they desensitize them to sexism, racism, and anti-Semitism. It'll be a joke about, oh, that feminist. And they'll give them some kind of, they'll, they'll make fun of someone in class 
who says it's not a safe space. And they'll say, oh, it'll be a meme that makes a joke about them being too sensitive. It'll be a meme that makes a joke, just a light joke, just sarcasm, just snarkiness. I think a lot of 16-year-olds understand snarkiness. It's speaking their language. That Jew like Nadav's daughter in her class at the college, when they decided to take like a vote about, in a way the teacher talked about, does Israel really have a right to exist? I mean, let's be honest about it. But they don't take votes about whether India has a right to exist after their human rights record regarding women, or whether a country that's not democratic has a right to exist like most of the Arab countries. But Israel's right to exist becomes a topic of conversation in a liberal arts course. And if I say that's not a safe space for my daughter, meme. Meme, sensitive. They're very sensitive. They don't know how to take a joke. They don't know how to take a criticism. And our teens are desensitized systematically because they're shown what they don't have, which could be girlfriends. It could be what they feel as future jobs. It could be opportunity. And they are geared toward not blaming at first, but making okay the possibility of blaming other groups. I am tired of platitudes about love. But what I am in favor of is actions of love. I think we need to take the people in our culture who feel so, they feel like Cain. They feel like something that belongs to them is being taken away. And I don't think it helps to call them a nativist and a racist because of the car, of the pickup truck they drive or the president they vote for. I have a pretty strong suspicion that's gonna make them wanna vote for that president again. Because when someone's told, you're a racist, and by the way, this happens on social media, when a teenager forwards something like this, other teenagers clobber them. And they're like, I think you're a racist. I think you're an anti-Semite. You know what, it doesn't really cure it. It actually reinforces it. So I think we have to find a way toward unity, to loving the Canes who feel that their faces have fallen because something that they feel is their future is being taken away. And instead of pointing fingers at them and saying that they're the problem, which will only inflame anti-Semitism and racism and sexism, we'll show them that it's not Abel who's to blame. But it's a society that we need to come together and love America and love each other. I think that's the love, that if we love them and show them that there is opportunity and we don't try to have this culture of cancel, of I need to cancel you, I need to silence you, I need to label you, then I think that's our only way forward. And yes, I would like Facebook to take some responsibility for soaking our culture in messages that lead people toward hate. And I wish those same outlets would not say we're just a bunch of billboards spread across the billions in this world, and we have no idea what is going on those billboards. But I'd like to see the voices of the serpent silenced, and I'd like to see the canes loved. <laughs>